Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. Davison wins two. As I said, the bounce back like that was, was just brilliant. Frosty takes out one. Obviously, you want to pull up to the grid and have a trouble-free run, but, um, you know, it happens. Things, things happen, and unfortunately, we uh, lost the door on the grid. And the safety car is back on the V8 team's hit list. At the time, they could have readdressed it when they realised that, that on the safety car that it was incorrect. They could have actually done something about readdressing. It's fairly obvious where people were meant to be. It's all coming up today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Will Davison says that two race wins on Sunday goes a long way to making up for the disappointment of Saturday's accident. Uh, well, what can I say, really? Uh, to have scored two wins today was... Uh after yesterday's disappointment uh, and obviously not getting that key running time yesterday. I mean, uh, clearly Frosty proved the cars were quick yesterday, but I was, I was pretty nervous arriving this morning. Uh, I really thought it would be a day where I've just got to try and get as many points as I can. But, uh, you know, I got into it pretty quick in qualifying, realised the car was very quick. Will was thrilled to take victory in the Trading Post-sponsored event. They're, they're a very passionate sponsor, and I know this means a lot to them. So, uh... Jamie Winkup was third in race nine after two second places. This has seen him take the lead in the championship, but many noticed that Wincombe did not look happy at the post-race presser. I'm sure in a couple of days I'll watch the replay and have a bit of a laugh and appreciate what the race is, but uh, at the moment I'm, I'm pretty pissed off. Mark Winterbottom's win on Saturday continued FPR's great results. You know, the, uh, obviously you want to pull up to the grid and have a trouble-free run, but um, you know it happens, things, things happen, and unfortunately we uh, lost the door on the grid. Um, but the guys did a great job to fix it, and uh, they, they were, you know, it was it was a lot of tension, a lot going on, but they stayed very calm and actually fixed it quite comfortably. So uh, I never felt panicked in the car, and that's that's a great environment to be in when there is obviously a lot of panic going on, but uh, never felt like it was never going to make it on the car. So uh, they did a great job to fix it, and. Um, it's covered in champagne, so I'm sure that eased a bit of the pain. Frosty finished off the weekend with a last lap pass to set up the FPR 1-2 finish. Coming down to the last lap and fighting hard, and it's, you know, we are rubbing panels, but it's, uh, you know, it's good racing. That's, oh, I love it. Even though I finished second, that's one of the best races I've been involved with, and 1-2 um, for the team. You know, it's a great feeling to drive over the line. Passing a guy on the last lap to give your team a one-two, um, yeah, it's a pretty proud moment. Race nine saw a safety car issue, which meant that a number of cars were held behind the safety car, which affected their race. One of which was Triple Eight's Craig Lowndes, 
Roland Dane telling V8 X magazine that the incident should never have been allowed to happen. Yeah, it's very disappointing. Uh, and uh, as you know, it's not the first time it's happened. I'd like to think it was the last, but um, I don't think it will be until we make some changes. So uh, anyway, the, the, the reality is what's happened has happened, and it's cost Craig, I would think, the win uh, today, which is uh, makes it doubly disappointing. Lee Holsworth from SBR's Irwin Tools car was also affected by the mistake. Obviously, it was an absolute stuff-up. Um, you know, it's pretty disappointing when they make stuff-ups like that but and they can't readdress it. But, um, you know, we make one mistake on the racetrack and we get penalised or fined or, you know, some, you know, get a 10-second penalty or, or, a, or a points penalty. So it's pretty frustrating. You know, we were running up in the um, probably in the top 12 there. I think um, we may have even been 10th. But after the pit stops and after all the, you know, uh, when we got back behind the queue, we were probably 21st or 22nd. So it ruined our our race um and i'm sure it ruined a lot of other guys races so um yeah it's it's just crap it's not good enough like you know when you're trying to win championships it's um it's those little things that can that can lose it for you so you know something should be done Race 9 saw Michael Patrici have his best V8 supercar finish with a fifth, but the techno driver was a little disappointed after running in second for the majority of the race. It's a little bit disappointing, of course, but um, to, to not get on the podium, but there's a lot of positives come out of today. Um, you know, qualifying, I think, was the key, and um, we, we two top ten qualifying positions. First time for me to do that, and, um, you know, they... They transpired into two really good results. Jason Bright talked to the V8 Insiders about the results the Brad Jones Racing Team is now starting to achieve. Very tough first couple of races with you know the, the DNF in the first race of the year at Adelaide, and then you know a tough Sunday with a car that you know, hit a wall pretty hard the day before. Um, you know Tassie didn't go well for us either, and you know New Zealand we just managed to sort of score some points. Whereas here this weekend we've you know we definitely got a bit of traction. We had a quick car. I'm pretty sure we'll be able to take that to Phillip Island. It, you know, it'll work pretty well. It, it's, you know, there's a lot of corners that are similar style to here at Phillip Island where you carry a lot of speed in. So hopefully we can get a bit of momentum and, and, um, and you know, we're learning about the car at the moment. You know, we've gone a little bit different direction on setup to what to what we've previously run. And, and you know... I'm pretty happy with, with where we ended up this weekend considering we didn't get any dry practice. So to the points, following three races in Perth, sees Wing Cup 29 points ahead of Will Davison, Mark Winterbottom third, 160 points back, Lowndes is fourth and Lee Holsworth rounds out the top five. After a weekend of many incidents, the stewards only set down one penalty following an investigation and an admission by Tony D'Alberto that car number three had driven in a careless manner and causing contact with Taz Douglas, the stewards imposed a penalty with a loss of 25 championship points. One of the incidents the stewards didn't find fault in was the contact between Will Davison and Garth Tander, which of course was set off by Mark Winterbottom and David Reynolds, coming into the final corner on lap number one of race number seven. It was interesting to see how Winterbottom and also his team principal, Tim Edwards, reviewed that first lap incident. Um, I saw Garth in my door for majority of the straight, so um, I, yeah, I don't know what he was doing, but um, 
when I saw him, saw him backwards, I wasn't surprised because, um, you know, he was trying to drive into me down the straight. I was going to stay there. I wasn't going to go anywhere. And then a car behind on a better tyre was coming through. So um, he had contact in the straight, contact on the corner, and Randy went. So I uh, wasn't surprised. Uh, well, I mean, Frosty's pretty well summed it up, and he was looking in his rearview mirror. Um, you know, Garth was on a mission to have a mistake um, as they came over the top of the hill. So um, obviously it's going to be reviewed by the stewards after the race, but from my point of view, I don't think David did anything wrong. In the Dunlop series, Scott McLaughlin got his first round win by winning the third race of the weekend on Sunday. We are a lot better than we were at Adelaide, and we were still running pretty strong there too. So I think we still um, needed to, with the car, wasn't quite right then. Um, I think it still needed a little bit more, but um, definitely what we've gained, we've gained both wet and dry. I, um, yeah, I'm really happy with everything. Scott Pye, who's in the Monster Energy Drink car for Triple Eight, picked up his first race win on Saturday. Pye says he knows that the car may have won the championship last year, but he's not feeling any pressure from being in it. Um, it's something that I, I don't really think about that much. You know, like I said during the interview, it's great that everyone's been um, almost putting no pressure on me in the car. Obviously, the outside world see it as a car that won the championship last year, but I also see it as, uh, as Andrew Thompson won the championship last year. So. For me, I'm, I am a new driver in the category. Never driven something half the weight of this thing, so it's a, a new beast to tame. And, uh, you know, I'll, I feel like I'm getting on top of it now, and uh, I think it's all under control, so I'm sure we can keep that car down the front somewhere anyway. Chad Mozart continues to lead the series, finishing third on the weekend. Coming here this weekend uh, to have a good weekend like we did and finally, you know, thinking in the last race maybe not to get on the podium, but um, just to get through and get third in that race was, um, yeah, terrific for us. Um, we didn't quite have the best qualifying, but, um, you know, to, to just work through the races and keep it a straight car and, and um, get there in the end is really quite satisfying. In the latest edition of VNX magazine, on sale now, you can find out all about the Kellys moving to Nissan, why Dave Reynolds left the Kelly Racing team to join the Bottle O unit, and also how come FPR are on a roll. It's all in the latest issue of VNX magazine, on sale now. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, John Evans and Richard Crowell will join me and we'll hear more from Will Davison on this week's White Flag Lap. I hope you stay with us. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week is the editor of Oval Express and, of course, contributor to Auto Action, John Edwins. Good to have you back on the show, John. Thanks, Craig. It's good to be here. And also, of course, a regular of the V8 Insiders, it is uh, Richard Crowell. Crowley, who are we going to plug this week? Oh, whoever you like, Craig. I'm not too far. <laughs> g'day to you. G'day to John as well. Guys. How are you, Richard? 
extraordinarily well. Looking forward to this. It was a great weekend over in Perth and... Well, the rain certainly hampered a lot of teams getting set up. It didn't hamper some great finishes, John, and we really saw FPR's run is not looking like it's over by any stretch of the imagination. Yes, I think the uh, the format, given the tyre degradation, having to run a soft and a controlled tyre during each of the 50-lap races, uh, invoked a little bit of strategy into the, the, the events and we actually saw Will Davison employ two different strategies to win both races on the Sunday, um, having to start on softs in one and then finish on softs in the other, which were rapidly deteriorating, and that contributed to just a, a stellar photo finish in the last race. Richard, you don't get much better when you see cars almost three wide across the finish line, the closest one, two, three finish in the history of V8 supercars. Yeah, it was fantastic, wasn't it? And and the theatre really played out sort of 10 laps to go. It started building and I was actually quite fortunate to watch that race from um, the top of the new pit building they built there with some friends who weren't massive motorsport fans, but what a way to get them into it. Um, and the atmosphere was, was electric, the crowd getting very much involved and a great finish. And, you know, that drama built, as, as J.E. mentioned, where, you know, the tyres went off and they all bunched up with, with two laps to go and we had that great dogfight on the last lap and you know we've we've had a couple of really really close finishes this year and a lot of it's come down to that strategy and the way it plays out over the race with the soft and hard tyre and fuel economy as well like we, we've had some great finishes Clipsal, Hamilton uh, and now this weekend at Barbagello it's been great and the level of competition at the front that we've seen between FPR and uh, Team Vodafone in particular is great and I don't think it'll be the last uh, super exciting finish we see this year by no means. Mm. Michael Patrice's run, John, was a, a fantastic effort. He did suffer from that tyre degradation that you spoke about earlier but uh, still he was in a, a strong position right from qualifying through to that uh, race number nine of the championship. On merit to... Uh I was going to mention him from the start off because, uh, as we all know, Michael's on his virtually second opportunity. And it's pretty similar when you look back to what happened to Jamie Wincup. He sort of uh, started out, lost his opportunity, then uh, got granted another one. And who's to say that Michael, we've seen his abilities in the uh, career at Cup uh, and also open wheelers, he's now starting to apply. Uh, those same sort of driving principles in what really is a formative team. Techno uh, is only just a very, in its infancy, and they've impressed enormously this year with the uh, the personnel, the way they've gone about their racing, and for Michael to produce those results. He was virtually nose to tail with, uh, with Will Davis and the leader of the race in the, in the final event, uh, as I said, totally there on merit and speed. And uh, he had the smarts enough not to uh, uh, really try and hold up people like uh, Wincup and Jason Bright and Winterbottom uh, so he could actually get a top five finish rather than make an issue of it. Mm. And I guess with Patrice's effort, he sits ahead of, of uh, a number of drivers, Fiori, Reynolds being two that come to mind, also D'Alberto. And importantly, he's 17th in the championship, Richard. His teammate, Jonathan Webb, is 22nd. 
Yeah, Webby, obviously, with dramas at Clipsal that lost them a lot of points, remember, with the, the crash in qualifying. So I, I agree with, with what J.E. said about that team and the way they've gone about it this year. And they've created a lot of attention by running the, the plain white cars, which has certainly um, turned some eyes towards them. But they've, they've backed that up by being very, very quick. And it's nice to see them now delivering on some results. I, I tell you what is going to be interesting, and I, I don't want to get too far ahead of the game, but that outfit come Sandown and Bathurst later in the year could be, you'd sort of put them around the um, the outsider chance based on the form we've seen in the first four rounds that the um, the performance is good and Patrizzi in particular has got Johnny Reid alongside him in the Enduros and Johnny's been very good in the NZ V8 Super Tourers and Carrera Cup as well where he won the most recent round so you know looking a little bit further afield they're looking good but yeah, great performance by Patrizzi and I know the home fans being amongst them when I watched that race, uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. So it's good that one of the WA drivers could stand up in an otherwise pretty ordinary weekend for the likes of uh, Garth Tander and Dean Fiore, amongst others. Mm, well, we'll go back to that race on the Saturday, Race 7, J.E., because, uh, well, Garth started on the pole, but he uh, didn't last too many laps, and uh, it was interesting, Within Tim... a minute, he was gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and it was interesting that uh, Tim Edwards, probably the most vocal of the uh, people at the press conference because, hey, he wasn't racing against him the next day and uh, he was uh, he was an accident waiting for happen for the entire race, which was, as you said, less than a minute. Yes, well, again, it came down to the, the front row occupants starting on different tyres, so it was inevitable that Wing Cup would get the lead from uh, Tanda. It was just a question of when around that opening lap. And uh, Garth was doing his best to try and stave off Winterbottom, who was just eager not to let Wing Cup get away. So um, I think Garth said he got hit by a merry-go-round, an FBR merry-go-round. Uh, all three of the cars actually got him in one spot. So once David Reynolds, he had a banging match with uh, Winterbottom, and it's always you get two versions of the incident and um, they did differ indeed but uh, once Wiedenbottom snuck past there was half a gap which David Reynolds uh, tried to fill and turned Garth around right in front of uh, Will who was none too pleased to uh, end his race virtually there as well so quite a bit of animosity, quite a bit of work to do um, there's a fair bit of rivalry now, obviously, between the Holden and Ford teams, and it's interesting to see how much pressure has gone back onto the previously all-conquering team Vodafone now that they are on a, a winning role at the moment. Mm. And it's, it's good, isn't it, guys, to see Triple Eight under pressure? You know, they've, they've dominated for so long. Isn't it nice to see them now on the back foot a little bit? obviously not nice from their perspective but as a pure fan first and foremost to see the best team in the business challenged and how they respond to that I think is going to be one of the great stories of the season ahead and um, and seeing the champions in Wink Up and Lounsey you know really up against it and they don't have the outright fastest car anymore it seems so what um, you know? How are they going to respond? I think that's one of the great stories of the season. I, I can't wait to see how that plays out. Mm, ahead of the break here, a quick question for you to think about: with the championship now, Wing Cup on a thousand and ninety-five points, Winterbottom in third on nine hundred and fifty-three, Lowndes in fourth on seven hundred and seventy-nine. The gap between first and fourth, particularly, 
is now more than one race weekend's points. Does that mean we have at best a three race, a uh, three person race for the championship, JE? Or is it really only a two because Winner Bottom's given them too much of a head start? No, I think it's even more than that because uh, uh, when you think about it, losing points on the weekend in the three race format wasn't uh, too much of a grievance. But when you get to a single car race like the Enduros um, or even split uh, race like we're going to get at Phillip Island, and it's quite possible to drop a chunk of points just in one go. Yeah, what about you, Rich? Still think there's more in the championship than just the top three? There is. There's a clear clear distinction, I think, between FPR and Triple Eight that they're the pace setters at the moment by a reasonable margin, and no one else aside from perhaps Garth on occasion has got to look in at winning races. So I think at this stage in the game, the championship will be fought between them. But um, as John said, you know, there's a big opportunity on many, many occasions to drop a big lot of points all in one go. So it's only going to take one bad round from a Win Cup or a Davison to drop them right back to where Craig Lowndes is now. Or similarly, they have a bad round and Craig goes and wins Bathurst again, as he's been known to do. It'll turn around so quickly. So I don't think you can rule them out, at least for the next couple of rounds until we get into that July, August and especially September stretch when the championship really starts to get sorted out. But there's so much racing to go, I think it's still pretty open. Mm. A break here on and the... it could come down to luck too because, mm. as we're all aware of the botched uh, uh, safety car intervention in the last race, Craig Lance did nothing wrong and yet he suddenly lost 11, 12 spots uh, through no fault of his own. So... Uh, yeah, you could be quite the innocent victim and still lose out. Mm. Well, a break and then we'll talk about that safety car incident on the V8 Insiders. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Craig Revel with John Evans and Richard Kral. And guys, uh, before the break, JE, you did raise the uh, matter of the safety car. It's interesting because uh, as we sit here discussing the race, we haven't seen or heard officially from V8 Supercars on the investigation into the safety car. But I am hesitant to say the least, to be critical of the safety car because if we cast our minds back to Phillip Island a few years ago where the safety car was out on the circuit, cars were bearing down at a rapid rate of knots over a crest where they couldn't see the safety car, it was uh, certainly not the safety car's driver's fault for doing what they did and it turned out it was the race director's uh, instructions that the safety car driver was following to the letter. So I'm hesitant to blame the safety car driver uh, for doing something wrong. In her defence, of course, there isn't much difference, is there, Richard, between a triple eight car and a number one car 
except for those numbers on the window. Yeah, and I mean, this this is can of worms kind of subject, isn't it, guys? That, that probably need to be a bit careful about dealing with. But they've their V eight came out and said they're going to review exactly what happened. They said they believe what happened was correct and the procedure was followed, but they're going to review it and have a final um, a final statement, I guess, later this week as, as we record. But, um, yeah, it was very confusing to follow up the track exactly what was going on. And, and my initial thought was um, when Craig was called into pit lane straight away as soon as the yellow came out that, well, you really, Team Vodafone, you've, you've made a great call and it looks like Craig's going to be the the real beneficiary out of this, but as it turned out, it didn't work and he was really, really hurt and it, and it probably cost him a shot at a podium, if not a win. So, yeah, obviously there are some pretty strong opinions up and down pit lane about it and, yeah, these these issues are going to keep cropping up, aren't they? And, and what was it a delayed decision to call the safety car in the first place? Did it get called out straight away? I mean, there are so many questions that need to be asked about this and and I'm not too sure exactly what the um, what the outcome's going to be. Jay, your well, view... I have a pretty firm opinion about it, uh, in that the normally unflappable Ross Stone, uh, all three of his cars lost 11 positions in one fell swoop. Yeah. So he was definitely not happy. You go and talk to Roland Dane and you walk away with a red ear <laughs> because uh, he could really let fly uh, about the officials. And I can understand the circumstances in the lead-up, but what we really face with is the uh, um, the entertainment-slash-show-business element of a, a safety car deployment a la NASCAR mm. as opposed to the, uh, uh, the safety car deployment that you would get in European-style racing. And if I had a personal preference, it would be as soon as the safety car is called out, it is scrambled on the first car behind that safety car uh, holds position. None of this passing. Because yeah. really you don't want racing on the track while there are potentially safety workers out there. And that's where uh, those who pitted second gain so much of their time because they eventually had a free pass back to the pits at racing speed compared to those who were trapped behind the safety car. Mm. Of course... The, a lot of, I've had a lot of discussion with a lot of different people since this incident and a lot of the problem when people come up with suggestions is each car doesn't have its own pit bay and that limits, J.E., the number of options Definitely. Yeah, and, and the number of options that supercars can have. A lot of people say, why don't they do like NASCAR and get everyone behind the pace car and then let them in. Well, your problem there is if Jamie Wincup's car one and Craig Lowndes' car two, Craig Lowndes loses effectively, uh, what is there, 14 positions. And remember, that's basically what cost Craig Lowndes Bathurst last year because he had to stack behind Wincup mm. for Stacking, the, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, and, the motor race and it cost him, arguably, cost him a race win because he probably dropped 30 seconds over the course of the day. He lost the race by one. So you're right, Craig, you you've just run into that issue of stacking, so that, that's that's not the way around it. No. So our, our pit facilities in Australia don't allow for that option. JE raised the more critical one. You can't have cars fanging around the racetrack and uh, fanging around the racetrack racing back to pit lane when mm. safety workers or even cars, as we used to see at Bathurst, the flatbeds up on the track picking them up whilst they were still racing around. Well, mm. WHS laws say that's not on these days. 
Peter Norton, uh, another member of the V8 Insiders team, he uh, suggested that uh, perhaps there could be a speed limiter put into the cars and when a, a safety car comes out, you have to flip the speed limiter and if the pace car speeds 80 k's, you can only run at 100 k's so you can eventually catch up. Of course, then there's the danger of when does that all get um, activated. I am wondering, J.E., if a speedway solution couldn't be the answer. When the yellow flag comes out, you freeze the field and you stop counting the laps. And then they pit and then they form up in the order they were before they went out and we go racing again. Uh, that would be difficult uh, to probably uh, employ in a circuit that's a couple of kilometres long compared to a quarter mile oval. But I agree, um, there's no ideal scenario uh, because occupation health and safety really it's critical now we don't flood the pits with 28 cars all of a sudden get the stacking that uh, Richard talked about where potentially you can harm crews by having uh, too many people in there at once. So uh, I was still of the opinion that those who pitted first got shafted on the weekend because um, just because they used their initiative to get in first, Roland deliberately said that they wanted to split the strategy so they wouldn't have to stack uh, and yet one of these cars got disadvantaged compared to the other one. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think um, I, I agree with what you said at the top of this, this discussion, J.E., that, that the safety car comes out, picks up the first car. Now, if it means it goes a lap down eventually, well, so be it. But that way, yeah. people like a Craig Lowndes at the weekend and and guys that lost positions, if, if they're in, a, in the right position at the right time and quick enough to make that call to pit good on them. That's motor racing. You've, you've just got to roll the dice as it comes to you. So they took that position. They took the gamble. If they were the ones that benefited out of that and Craig ended up 7th or 8th in the queue but leading the race because of it, well, good on them. That's just the way it goes. So, yeah, I, I agree with you on that and I, I think that's the most sensible reason or, or outcome of what could happen of this in terms of pit, um, pit lane and safety car rules. Mm, certainly will cover. And strategically, I'd like to see uh, some inventiveness where you can gain a lap back on the field by actually staying out and not pitting with everybody else. So yeah. uh, well, um, there are all sorts of ways to play this scenario out, but I don't agree with scrambling and just having it sitting on the side of the track while others are flying by. Mm. And the, uh, the other thing, interestingly enough, Jay, is perhaps if there is a safety car, you could do like Formula One with a lap to go. You say to everyone who's a lap down, go off and make up as much time as you can. And uh, that's the way you get your lap back. You just, any safety like car dogs. period. <laughs> well, no, no, because we're not saying it to the first one, a lap down. We're saying to every car that's A or multiple laps down, you can go past the safety car a lap before the start and catch back up. Now, obviously, on a fifty or a fifty-second lap racetrack, that's going to be you're going to be flying. Um, and on Bathurst, you probably don't have to go quite as hard. But um, it, look, it's it's something that greater minds than us will have to deal with. My question is: We've seen Tassie, we've seen Perth. Hey, aren't these shorter tracks much better racing? Je. Uh, elbows up because uh, there's a bit of uh, elbowing and muscling and rubbings racing attitude. Um, 
Don't forget V8 Supercars pushing for both Simmons Plains and Barbagello to be extended, which would get us into almost like what we see in NASCAR with the one-and-a-half-mile ovals, Jay. Cookie-cutter races, cookie-cutter formulas, and, you know, everyone starts watching with 20 minutes to go. Yeah, I still think we need that variety where we have... um endurance races where something might not have happened for an hour but when it does you go wow <laughs> you know um you need that variety uh of the different circuits and um, it just highlighted barbagillo uh, i still find it hard to call it barbagillo i'm not one of it <laughs> so <laughs> where you have that degradation the tires that's another factor that you don't normally see you won't see that at a an Eastern Creek, or uh, we will certainly see it at Phillip Island. Um, but, yeah, variety, I think uh, they've got the, the mix pretty close, but I'm not a fan of the fuel economy races, I must admit. Mm. Okay, was we... Bristol, wasn't it, guys? What we saw on the weekend was Bristol. It's a night race in a tight, short circuit. Next race we go to is Talladega at Phillip Island, that fast, high-speed, flowing, completely different kettle of fish for car setup, for driving, for everything. So... I agree. I think the variety is fantastic. And for our US audience, they've just understood V8 supercars beautifully there, Richard. Guys, two two stories coming out of the weekend. I want to touch base with you before we have to wrap it up. Shane Van Gisbergen and Lee Holsworth. Lee is ahead of Shane, and Shane's looking a little bit nervous in that pit lane with a contract renewal coming up this year. Do you guys have any fears that he will be, one, in the field, but two, with Stone Brothers Racing? Jay? Uh, I believe he'll resign. Um, that's his home. It's where he's comfortable. He needs that environment. 
uh, I've said in the past that when he had Alex Davison as a partner, he really needed someone senior to help push him along in terms of uh, development. And I think that's what we're starting to find as Lee um, gets more comfortable and finds his feet within the team, then that development uh, will increase and it'll be to the benefit of all three because Tim Slade's been a revelation too. Like uh, all three cars mostly finishing in the top ten and uh, that's just showing the benefit of these guys working together. Mm. Richard? The thing I think we sometimes forget about Shane Van Gisbergen is that he's still, what, 22, isn't he? I mean, he's he's super young. It's just the fact that he started in the category so young that it feels like he's been around for a long time and part of the furniture. But as a driver, he's still got lots to go and, and there's a lot more to come out of him. So I, I agree. I, I think he'll re-sign... SBR would be mad not to. He's too much of an exciting property to do that, and it already has such a great resonance with fans and, and people who like him, and he's got an identity now. So he'll, he'll be the sport going forward for the next 15 years, um, and, yeah, you'd be mad not to re-sign him. But great that he's got Lee Holdsworth challenging. Great for Lee Holdsworth that he's there. Um, he's doing a fantastic job this season, settling into that team and really consistent, strong performances. I'm sure he'll win a race or two this year, and as SBR continue that climb back up towards the front of the field, well, you know, going into 2013, they could be really nicely placed with three really good young drivers, as um, as J.E. mentioned. Mm. And, of course, Fabian Coulthard's speed, Richard, has been a revelation. The move with him and Phil Keed has really started to pay off in New Zealand and here again in Perth. Yeah, Fabs has done a brilliant job this season. Super, super consistent and, and at the weekend fast, and, and Bright was the same. So... For whatever reason, the BJR cars were particularly strong there, like they were last year. Remember, Bridie got that that brilliant race victory, um, got that off the back for uh, for Brad Jones Racing there 12 months ago. So great to see Fabian in an environment that's obviously clicked with him. A couple of tough years with Walkinshaws of, um, you know, he's come out the other side looking pretty reasonable, and he's done some really nice work this year, JE. And you know, he's well up there in the championship. Um, good, solid, consistent stuff. So far, probably fair to say it hasn't looked like winning a race yet, but I think that might come. Yeah, you never lose your talent, just your opportunity. And I think uh, settling into the Albury team, uh, and now that he's got the experience of Phil, who's come along uh, across to Albury with Brad, and now made the switch, uh, they seem to have that chemistry that uh, you need between engineer and driver to... uh, make things click and uh, Fabian's always been uh, a smooth driver we go back to the Crookshank days etc where the little thing took on the mind of the big teams and Fabian performed with distinction there and I think it's just showing that he's got the, the ability and the talent to be a, a top six uh, competitor whether he can actually win a race outright is going to be the question. Mm. Well, Jay, Richard, pleasure to catch up with you guys as always and uh, look forward to seeing you at the races very soon. Phillip Island, not far away. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to it. Thank you, uh, guys. It'd be great. The White Flag Lap with Will Davison is up next here on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. 
Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lab, Will Davison talks about the momentum FPR has after they won races 7, 8 and 9 of the V8 Supercar Championship at Barbagello last weekend. Yeah, it's great. You know, as I always say, we're faced with different challenges every event we come to and um, you know here we've had rain Friday and obviously the accident yesterday which I was concerned might put a bit of a halt to the momentum for me anyway clearly not the team Um, obviously I had a bad day and Frosty had a fantastic day so certainly the spirits were still up in FPR last night and uh, you know I just wanted a you know piece of the pie myself today so I dusted dusted myself off and came here with a positive fresh mind and as I said to bounce back like that was was just brilliant Uh, you know tough of races to win here with the high tide degradation the variances in strategies and I used both strategies today and both worked for me um Clearly, that second race was, <laughs> to be honest, a bit a bit of a crazy race. I mean, uh, Jamie was very fast early. Um, the safety car sort of helped me, obviously, get track position. But there's no way did we think I could hang on for 35 laps and and hold out those two. But uh, you know, I don't think the outright pace was as good in that race. But certainly, being able to keep those tyres on for that long was, you know, one of our real strengths. Three, no, four years ago, you were in a championship battle with Jamie Wincup. Does this feel the same? as that year um yeah i mean i think you know everyone's improved um i feel a little bit more in control of my destiny this year certainly 2009 was a brilliant year but it was my first year with that team um, and i was obviously a bit younger as well um just you know first year in a factory team um and i was just you know like uh, you know deer in headlights really just just didn't really know what i was doing but we you know we were we had a great year. Um, this year is my second year at FPR. I've been through a few more experiences, so to say, and uh, certainly uh, I feel more con- in control, as I said, of um, my car, my engineer, my team. I think you know, we're certainly uh, understanding what's happening and why, um, but that's not to say it's uh, any more or less a task what it was in 2009, but I feel, yeah, as I said, a lot more comfortable now. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, more confident going forward that we can keep this up. Well, we look forward as uh, the season continues on to Phil Hyde. Yeah, you bet. My thanks to Will Davison there, along with Richard Crowell and John Evans. Until the next time round, as the checker flag waves over in another edition of the V8 Insiders, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.